We thank you for today. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you for Christ. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for blood, the blood of Jesus that cleanses us from all unrighteousness and sin. We thank you, God, that you are a friend that sits closer than a brother. We thank you that you said you will never leave us nor forsake us. And we thank you because you are a God full of goodness and mercy and truth. And right now we pray for our sister Jean in the name of Jesus. We say asthma and cold be gone now in the name of Jesus and to restore her lungs to full health in the name of Jesus. We love you and we thank you that we have the privilege that we can go before you. And if we ask anything in the name of Jesus, we can expect it to be done. So we give you praise, glory, and honor today in Jesus' name. Amen. Yes. Okay. All right. Well, um, welcome to relational care class. And um, so I'm going to do just uh, kind of a quick overview in terms of where we are. So right now, we had thought this series was going to go, I don't know, eight weeks, probably going to go 16 the way it's going. Um, but we started out by talking about um, the six major components of safe relationships, which um, we passed these out. And if anybody wants uh, some of these, I still have some, which are knowledge, trust, faith, openness, uh, being vulnerable, and security. And then we also talked about character traits. And so we passed out a list of that, and we talked about one of the things that is very rare nowadays is character and looking at people's character and realizing that God wanting us to be people that are not only safe people, but that model safety, we need to know what, we need to be judges of character, right? So we're not judging the people, right? But we need to be a judge of character. Right. And the first couple of weeks we talked about how God is a safe God, because if we're going to be safe people, if we're going to model safety, we need to realize that God is a safe God. And um, so we laid that down and uh, brought you all the evidence for that. And then so we shifted now sort of into the middle of these uh, of this uh, series and so in the middle of the series we've been dealing with 10 character traits of Jesus that foster safe relationships okay because now if we are to be safe people and if we are to model safety we need to have a model right we need to have uh, somebody that we can look to to know what safety looks like and to know what to model and so Jesus is that person. So um, first couple of weeks, we talked about, um, what did we talk about? Okay, we talked about um, character traits. We talked about four character traits. We talked about compassion, serving, love, and forgiveness. My wife did forgiveness last week because uh, I wasn't here. I had a project in San Jose. Um, but now I've been married to my wife 36 years. And she's awesome. Yes. She's awesome. And she is like super anointed. If anybody's anointed, she's anointed. So, well, but what cracks me up about her is like, you know, I see, dear, you're awesome. You're like anointed. You can, I mean, you could be, you do this and do that. You know, she's like, okay, amen. So I was like, all right, yeah. So, but uh, she's awesome, and I and I love her, and I know that uh, she brought forgiveness to you guys last week, and um, she started to talk about the next character trait. I know she went into it a little bit, uh, which I'm going to touch on today. And hopefully, I'm going to get through two character traits today. 
but I may not because this one character trait is something that I am extremely passionate about and when I'm passionate about something I tend to go off the rails and I tend to kind of stay there so I just want to say that um, today is going to be um, I'll get your popcorn ready let's put it that way for those people that know what that means um, but we're going to talk about commitment So the thing about commitment to me is commitment is one of those traits that is that I think is foundational. It's foundational in everything that we do and it's foundational in our relationships. So it says Jesus had no lack of commitment whatsoever. Wherever he was or whoever he was with, he was fully in the moment and fully committed to his goals. Despite praying fervently in the Garden of Gethsemane to avoid having to bear the cross and all, uh, and all that physical torture, he knew it was the only way to pay for everyone's sin. <laughs> so he stayed completely committed to his goal. There were certainly many obstacles during his ministry but he stayed on track and finished strong. So the reason why this is commitment is really, I call it foundational, is because we live in a time and an age where the character trait of commitment is shallow. You see it in many relationships. You see it in, unfortunately, particularly marriages. Um, <coughs> that there's a lack of commitment. That there's a lack of sticking through and seeing something through. So what I want to do before I go any further, since I mentioned that, I don't want to get too far into it, but I do want to say this because I feel like there's some people in here that the Lord wants to hear this. And this is the fact that commitment has to do with what you have committed to the Lord when you're talking about relationship. When there are two people in a relationship, the only thing that you can be responsible for is your commitment to the relationship. You cannot take on the other person's commitment. And I realize that we may have been in relationships, we may have been in marriages, that we wanted it to work out, but it didn't. And it didn't work out, not because you were not committed, but because the other person was not committed. Okay? You cannot take that guilt and that responsibility on. Because you cannot answer for the commitment of another. Leona and I have been married for 36 years. The reason that our marriage works at the end of the day is yes, the Lord's in the middle of it, but it works because we are committed. We're committed to each other, regardless of what happens, come hell or high water, we're committed to see through what we have promised the Lord that we were committed to see through. I'm always convinced that when you have two people that have that mindset, there's not anything in the world that those two people cannot go through, cannot overcome, okay? But the reality is not everyone is committed. So if that is you today, if you're struggling in a relationship, 
if you are struggling in a marriage, if it has become very difficult, and you know before the Lord that you have been committed, everything that you know to do, and that other person is not committed, you can't hold that person there. You can't make that person be committed. Okay? I'm not talking about you turning around and walking away, but what I'm saying is that can't be your responsibility. Okay. When I stand before the Lord, I get asked if I was the husband to Leona that the Lord called me to be. Okay. Leona could be a total jerk. She could be this or that. I don't have the right to go before and say, you know what, I've been a, I would have been a great husband if Leona would have been better. I would have been a great husband if she was a better cook. I'd have been a great husband if she had done A, B, C, and D. The Lord's going to say, I didn't ask you that. I asked you, were you the husband that I called you to be? That's my commitment. So each one of us has that responsibility. That's why commitment is so strong, why commitment is so powerful. So I want you, I want to read a verse. And this verse is going to be very difficult. And the verse is very difficult because it goes places where, unfortunately, in the church today, we don't like to go. I see a dangerous line that we in the church are beginning to walk today. And that line is, while we are trying to fulfill the Great Commission in the world, there are certain things that the world doesn't like. So because the world doesn't like it, we in the church begin to take those things and we either move them to the background or we don't talk about them at all. In the name of reaching people for Christ. And don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to be up here and making all kinds of statements, but Christianity is not easy. It's not easy. And Christ asked us some difficult questions. But if we're not careful, we start taking away some of the essentials that really make Christianity up. And again, I'm talking about commitment, and the reason I'm bringing that up is because at a certain point in commitment, we have to be committed to Christ whether that's offensive or not. And I, I talked to you guys a few weeks ago about the Lord showing me that there was a storm on the horizon. Now, our brothers and sisters in the what they call the major world right now, which we call the developing world, have seen this storm coming for years. But this storm is starting to hit us on the mainland. And that storm is that people aren't going to like you. When they hear you're Christian, they're not going to like you because they've got a whole bunch of preconceived notions about what that is. And so what I'm saying is that it doesn't mean that we're not loving. We got to be loving. We got to be merciful. We got to be kind. Okay. At the same time, the word is a word, right? There's some churches right now that we don't talk about the cross, right? Because the cross, you know, it's kind of like gory and, you know, Jesus is like up there and all this like blood's flowing all over the place. And without the blood, there's no remission for sin. And, you know, all this blood all over the place. What's all this blood stuff? I don't want to hear any about that. So in our effort to, right, as Paul says, be all things to all people, right? We just won't talk about the blood, Right? God says, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. But let's not talk about holiness, because that sounds like legalistic, and, you know, I just don't want to hear that. Okay, well, we won't talk about that. We'll talk about some other stuff, but we won't talk about that. 
And what happens is we end up having people that don't count the cost. They don't count the cost. I think I told you guys about, I was on uh, Facebook a few weeks ago when this whole protest thing was going on, uh, the NFL. And I read this guy's, um, I read this guy's comment. He said, look, on Sundays, I want to go to church. I want to hear a few words from the preacher. I want to go home. I want to crack open a beer and I want to watch my NFL football. That's all I want. Right? I just want to hear a few words from the preacher. Just, you know, whatever. Go home, crack open a beer, watch NFL football. We, tend, we begin to have Christians that it's about, we have Safeway Christianity, right? You walk in, I like this, I like that, I want that, I like that, I don't want this, I don't like that. That kind of offends me, so let's move that off to the side. And if we're not careful as a church, right, in the effort to reach people, we start just, you know, it's a little bit here, a little bit there. A little bit over here. Okay. And what I'm saying is we have to be committed to love. We have to be committed to grace. We have to be committed to mercy. We have to be committed to walk alongside people in relationship and love. But we got to be committed to the truth. It's awfully quiet in here. Okay, so here we go. This is Luke 14, and this is verse, you get if I wore my glasses, verses 25 to 35. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and he turned to them and said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father or his mother, his wife, his children, his brothers, his sisters, yes, even his own life. Such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and you're not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go off to war with another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he's able with 10,000 men to oppose the one who's coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and he will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is fit neither for the soil or the manure pile. It is thrown out. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. So we're talking about commitment. So when we came to Christ at some point, we said something like, forgive me for my sins, come into my life, give me a new heart, give me a new life. And something to the effect of, and by the strength that you give me, I will serve you all the days of my life. Or, some people say, I give you my life. Okay. That's what Jesus is saying right here. Right. We give him our life. And the reason that commitment is so foundational is that we have so many people in the church today that when they come in, okay, 
everything's going good until I hit this part. Everything's okay until we hit this part. Because as long as Jesus is providing, and as long as I'm getting all the, you know, the benefits, it's interesting, um, and the new year, I was just goofing around on, uh, on YouTube. So you have all these people that, you know, once you have YouTube, everybody's a prophet now, right? Got 100 prophets on, on YouTube. And some are driving, and some are combing their hair, and some are sitting in the living room. And they're saying, well, 2017 is your year of breakthrough. This is the year, the Lord told me this is the year that you are going to prosper. And you're going to prosper in everything that is there. Everything that God has for you, you're going to prosper. But what's interesting is you got about a hundred other prophets saying about the same thing. But what's even more interesting was in 2016, guess what happened? 2016 is your year, right, of breakthrough. Guess what happened in 2015? 2015 is your year of breakthrough, right? So I'm not here to talk about anybody who's hearing from the Lord or their ministry or whatever. I'm not talking about that. But what I'm saying is that God is not a cosmic slot machine. He's not a cosmic genie. You know, we rub our Bible, and this year, you know, oh, God, this is the year of provision. So, you know, since it's the year of provision, you know, and Jesus does say, ask anything in my name, right, and I'll give it to you. So I go up and say, oh, you know what, Jesus? This is 2018, and do you know that Ford has just put out the 50-year anniversary of the bullet Mustang that Steve McQueen drove in 1968? What did he say? Because I want that. Right? And I can name it, and I can claim it. Right? In Jesus' name. I'll pray for that payment not to be there either. Right? And again, I'm not trying to make fun of that, but what I'm saying is, Jesus said count the cost. Right? Count the cost, because he wants us to follow him. It's not about what all the stuff that he can do for us. But most of the church now, unfortunately, is that's what it's about. You know, it's like, wow, you know, here's my here's my, my breakthrough. And, you know, buy the prayer cloth. Get the prayer cloth. And you pray over that prayer cloth. And, boy, stuff's going to start happening. There was a thing in Time Magazine a few years ago, and the front cover was God, Inc. Right? Preaching the gospel, multi-billion dollar industry a year. So not everybody is a prophet. Not everybody is giving you the word. Not everybody is giving you the whole counsel. Because we're supposed to take the whole word to the whole world. Not the parts that we like or the parts that we don't like. Because mm-hmm. I think a lot of times I come across people that accept Christ as Savior, um, but they forget that He also needs to be Lord. And you know, we say the sinner's prayer to get more fire insurance and to maybe join a different social club. Mm-hmm. And some of our behaviors change, but we don't want to make Him Lord. Mm-hmm. But if we're not making Him Lord, then He's not really our Savior. Exactly. And what happens is, I'll give you an example. We knew a couple a few years ago that were young, and they came to Jesus and they were on fire. Ooh, I mean, those people were on fire. I mean, they were just like, 
I mean, they make us look like heathens. I mean, they were like on fire. <laughs> Serious, they were, they were no joke. A little time went on. And things got a little harder. And a little time went on. And some of the stuff that they were doing, they realized that they couldn't do. See, because God has a standard. God loves us, right? He wants the best for us, but God has a standard, right? And when Jesus says this, he's like, you got to follow me, and you got to follow my standard. Okay. I didn't come to be fire insurance. Because see, fire insurance is like, you know, you carry the get out of hell free card, right? And you put it in your wallet, and you just go on and live your life however you want. Because I know a lot of Christians like that, right? Oh, you know, shacking up with a girlfriend, sleeping around, just doing whatever. Hey, there's grace. What are you talking about? Christ died on the cross. Why are you condemning me? That sounds like legalistic. Excuse me? Open up your Bible and read it. You'll find it's not legalistic. But like this couple I was talking about, once they started getting a little deeper in the word, oh, this don't sound as much fun anymore. Because we like the hallelujah, you know, you know, glory to God. We like the miracles. We like the fire. We like the signs. We like all that. Right? Don't talk to holiness. Don't talk to us about that. We don't, we don't want to hear about that because that sounds kind of legalistic. Well, let's just say that the couples don't claim Christ anymore. They weren't committed. Committed means I'm committed. Right? I told you guys a few years ago, I was washing my car. And God asked me, Joe, are you all in? And he asked me that three times. And you know when God asks you something three times, you better think about it. Because the first two times, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm all in. Yeah, I'm all in. Third time, whoa, maybe I'm not. And it took me a year to answer that. Because the reality was, I wasn't. Okay? Because there's certain things that I like to do, certain things I like to watch, Certain things that, you know, hey, well, you know, I'm serving the Lord. You know, I'm up here teaching. I'm on the worship team. Surely I could get some breaks, right? I don't have to, like, reach that standard, do I? <clears throat> right? We have to be committed. And if we're going to be people that are going to be people that are committed we have to mo and model commitment. People have to see that. People have to see that you have some values. People have to, have to see that you're a standard. You have a standard. Now, I have guys at work that I work with that know I'm a Christian. And I've talked to a couple of them, and it's just like, you know, one guy was just like, you know what? I would come to Christ, but I just know, see, he knew enough just to be dangerous, right? Because he'd be like, I, I, I'd like to come to Christ, but, you know, man, I'd have to give up. Whew, I'd have to give up the women, and I'd have to give up the alcohol, and I'd have to give up. And he was looking at me. He was looking at me almost like I was going to say, you know what? No, you don't. <laughs> no, you don't. Salvation is free. Just come to Christ, you know what? And he'll kind of work all that other stuff out later. I looked at him and said, yeah, you're right. <laughs> you see, the biggest problem I think that we have is we're so busy trying to get people in the door that we don't let them know the truth. So my thing would be, I would be really mad if you told me, oh, you know, yeah, come with Jesus, everything will be just fine, you have a new life. And I'm not saying all that stuff is right. But then I get in the door, and after a while, I start going, whoa. This is, this is the other stuff you didn't tell me about. Why didn't you tell me about that? 
Why didn't you tell me that it was going to cost me everything? Why didn't you tell me that there was a standard that the only way I could live that standard was to rely on Christ, but I had to follow him and I had to pick up my cross. Why didn't you tell me that? Because see, what happens is later on when they find out, they're like that couple. They turn around and they leave. See, in the First Testament church, it wasn't like that. They would tell you there's a cost. As we like to say, you know, salvation is free. Yes, don't get me wrong. Don't want Satan to use that. You cannot earn salvation at all. You cannot earn it. You can be as good as you want to be, and you can't earn it. You know what that's like? That'd be like you having, and you've heard me say that can't that uh, sin is spiritual cancer. That'd be like you having cancer in your body. And you say, okay, I have cancer, so this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to start running. I'm going to eat all kind of good food. I'm going to take all these kind of herbs. I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to do everything I can to beat that cancer. You go to the doctor, and the doctor tells you, all that stuff's great. But that cancer is still in your body, and unless you let me cut that out, you're going to die. I don't care how much good stuff that you do. You're going to die unless you come to me and let me take that out of you. Right? Can't earn it. That's what Christ does for us. But here's the thing. We say salvation is free. That little part is free. But what I just read you here, that ain't free. Right? Because he says, I want your life. Right? I want your life. And we got to be committed. When people see that, they're like, oh, wait a minute. That's a little bit too much of a price to pay. But if we're going to be people of the word and we're going to be people that love others, wouldn't you want me, wouldn't you want to know the truth? Wouldn't you want to know the truth? Because see, I don't want to sugarcoat stuff so much for you that you get a false sense of what's going on. And a lot of that's happening in the church today. We give people this kind of like, you know, because we don't want to be to the point where when you come to the church, the church looks so much like what's in the world that the people go, hey, there's no difference. I'm out here in the world. Christians are doing all this stuff. I'm doing all this stuff. They're saying all this stuff. I'm saying all this stuff. Hey, so I can, I'll just join the church. There's no difference. We have to be different. We have to be different the way we love. We have to be different the way we show compassion. We have to be different the way we show mercy. We got to be different, but we got to tell the truth. And we got to be people of commitment. Mm -hmm. People would say, well, like sin always sins, and I, it, to me, it didn't make sense because, like, because of what you're saying, like, it's it's kind of like a, you know, um, like obviously we don't earn our salvation; it, it's a free gift. But like, you know, it almost seemed like, um, like you're saying, like, just like you can do whatever you want, and you're still saved, and uh, with Jesus and the Lord. And um, so, what I mean, what do you think about that? And um, like, what would you tell somebody? I mean, is that true, or is that not true? And if it's not true, like, what would you say to somebody that believes that? Because my roommate and I had this discussion, and, like, I would just bring up Bible verses, and, you know, and I'm, this is what the Bible says, so mm -hmm. just tell me that, you know, it's a, I mean, you're, you're basically, like, not to be, like, over-spiritual, but you're crucifying your flesh. Like, you're, you know, you're, like, uh, there's a verse in the Bible that says that, um, that when you, like, obviously we're going to sin, mm -hmm. but, you know, I believe there's a verse in the Bible, I'm pretty sure I read this, that says that when you sin, you're putting Jesus back on the cross, mm -hmm. and that it's like a, a dog returning to its vomit. Mm -hmm. um, so, like, what are your thoughts on that? My thoughts on that is that 
the, the statement, once saved, always saved, is a slippery slope. Because the first question is, once saved, were you really saved? Right. Because the evidence of you being saved is a changed life. You see what I'm saying? So, and there have been people I've led to the altar, and they've been crying, and oh God, I'll never do that again, and oh please, Jesus, blah, blah, blah. It's not flying and everything's going on, right? And I say, okay, you've accepted Christ, right? Pass from life to death, right? That's why Jesus says, go and make disciples, teaching them all that I've commanded you to do. Because now, right, the evidence of that is that now I'm so grateful for what has happened, I now begin this journey. But now, if I go down and I'm crying and snot's going all over the place and I get up, and the next day, I say, hey, that was really great. Why don't you come to me with a, let's do a Bible study. Nah, don't have time for that. And you keep talking to the person and it's like, you know, um, I'm doing like a small group in my house where we start learning how to grow in Christ and kind of do this new walk. No, I don't have time for that. Right. A year later, we're still clubbing. We're still doing the do. Yeah, everything's good. I'm saved. Three years later, still sleeping with my girlfriend. I'm still playing. I'm still womanizing. I'm still doing all that. I went down. I, I, I accepted Jesus. Because some words on the altar, you know, the evidence of it is your life. So that's what I would say to somebody like that. Because here's the thing. I'll get you in a minute, Renee. Because here, here's the thing. And that scripture, and I, and I can't, can somebody find that scripture she's talking about? I think it's, uh, I think it's, I think it's in, uh, it might be in Titus, where a dog returns to his vomit. So I know this guy I worked with. And this guy, from what I understood, was sold out to Christ. And it was very interesting because when I first met him, he had a T-shirt with a cross on it. And a big red circle with a red line going through it. So I asked him, I was like, that's an interesting shirt. Obviously, you don't like the cross, because that's what the, that's what your shirt is, is saying, right? And he says, oh, yeah, you know what? I used to be a Christian, and I used to hang out with a lot of Christians, and I used to go to Bible study like seven days a week, and we used to do all this stuff, and we used to go out, and we used to evangelize. And then my sister got sick. My sister had a brain tumor. And we went to the church and we prayed all night and we, we stormed the gates of heaven uh, for her on her behalf and she died the next morning. And at that point, I concluded that there is no Christ. There is no God. It's, it's all made up. Proverbs, yeah, I think that that's that he used that to go into into the second Peter. He used that reference. So what I'm saying is that person is a living example of that scripture in second Peter. Okay. That it is true that no one can snatch you from the Father's hand at all. No one. But you, out with your mouth, can reject Jesus Christ and turn away from him and walk away from him. A lot of people don't believe that. Do you have that scripture? The second Peter? 
Johnny? With the dog? Yeah. yeah. With the oh, dog yeah. one? I, I have it. You have it? Okay. Can you read it? I'm going to back up a little bit. Okay. Um, this is starting Second Peter 2.17. These people are springs without water and disturbed by a storm. Blackest darkness is reserved for them, for they mouth empty ghostful words, and by appearing to the lustful desires of the flesh, they entice people who are just escaping from those who live in terror. They promise them freedom while they themselves are slaves of depravity. For people are slaves to whatever has mastered them. If they escape the corruption of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and are entangled in it and overcome, they are worse off in the end than they were at the beginning. It would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than to know it and then turn their backs on the sacred command that was passed on to them. Of the Proverbs um, are true. The dog returns to its vomit and the sow that is washed returns to her wallowing in mud. What was the reference for that again? Uh, 2 Peter 2.17. But it came out of Proverbs. Proverbs 26.11. Yeah, so he was quoting Proverbs 26.11 when he said that. So here's the thing that I want you to be sure of, okay? You are eternally secure. And you are eternally secure by your choice and your commitment. Nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. The word is very clear about that. But free will, right? Don't forget that free will, God's, all of God's creatures have free will. His higher creatures. Why do I know that? Satan and a third of the angels would not have been able to be kicked out of heaven if they didn't have free choice. Right? Satan chose to rebel against God, which meant that Satan had free will. A third of the angels went with him, which means that those angels also had free will. Right? They could have stayed in heaven, just like all the rest of the other angels and the glory of God. They chose not to. We have the same choice. Okay, let's move on. Um, yeah, okay. All right, Lord. I guess we're not getting to that. Okay, this one is um, Luke 9, 57. Yeah, 57 to 62. So it says, as they were walking along, um, walking, walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go saying that to Jesus. Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. Then he said to another man, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first, let me go and bury my father. And Jesus said, let the dead bury the dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another man said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus said, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. We have to be people of commitment. We have to be people that model commitment. We have to be committed in every area of our lives. We have to be committed to God committed to our family, committed to our neighbors, committed to our co-workers, our friends. Because see, in the world, people have a very shallow view of commitment. And if we're going to model that, we have to be those people that are committed. People have to know that we stand for something. People have to know that we can be relied on. People have to know that we can be trusted. People have to know that we're going to be there. Right? Because the world's flaky. Uh, you know, maybe I'll be there, maybe I won't. You want to know about flakiness? When you really need somebody, when you need a friend, when you need somebody to show up, Hopefully they'll show up. 
Maybe they will, maybe they won't. I want to share with you my experience on Valentine's in the car and the Lord really speaks to me and is telling me to. Uh, Valentine's Day is hard for me um, where I am in my marriage, but God's been dealing with me. I'm one of those you're talking to right now. Are you really committed to this marriage? And just because I'm not receiving the love and affection that this class has taught me, that I'm responsible for my own actions. And I was thinking about that, and I was like, but I'm still supposed to show my love because I'm responsible for me and my actions. And that's what I'm learning from this class is how to be the wife that God wants me to be. And I was dealing in my heart about should I give him the card and candy I got or, or not, or, you know, and this preacher, I turn on, he said, he was talking on marriage, of course, and he said, um, you know, the ratio, 50%, one out of every two marriages in divorce, and not only in the world, but even in the church. Mm -hmm. So if, if the world is watching our marriages, which we've also talked about this in class before, that mm -hmm. we're to be the example to the world for our marriages, and um, they were saying, so if a spirit-filled Christian couple can't make it, or chooses not to make it, and others are watching, mm -hmm. why would the world want to do that? So that's why cohabitation is going up, mm -hmm. you know, and marriage is going down. And But then he said, so if, if one out of every two planes were crashing, would you want to get on one? And that hit me really hard, really hard. And then he said, and what if God has set you and your marriage as an example to the world up on that hill and somebody's watching you and you run down that hill because you don't want to do this anymore it's too hard and it hit me like a knife and to me it was like yes lord i'm committed i'm committed but we're responsible for our own actions so even though i still gave my husband that card and he said i love you I gave him that candy and I wasn't expecting anything in return and sometimes in the past he hasn't even opened my cards they just lay there but he did open it and he did thank me for it and to me that was like okay God I did the right thing in my heart and that's what we have to do in our relationships we have to do what God speaks to our hearts just because you you're, you're not feeling the love or anything in return you're responsible i still love him so i still want to show thank you for sharing that because i think that you're a beautiful example of what it means to carry a cross you're a beautiful example of what it means to carry a cross I heard just what someone say that every relationship is different. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of, I mean, Rod and I were right there for divorce. You know, and God did a miraculous, you know, healing and everything else. Um, the best that you can do is all God's asked you to do. And like you said, you know, if the other person isn't committed, regardless of whether or not they say they're a Christian. Don't feel guilt if it doesn't. You know, I, I think there's a balance. Yeah. I, I admire and respect and am so proud of you, Gina, for your perseverance and the love and the steadfastness. Um, because like Joe said, it really is just a wonderful example. Um, and at the same time, I, I know a lot of unfortunate relationships mm -hmm. where both people claim to be Christian and it's not a safe relationship. Yeah. Yeah. You know, in, in the church kind of sometimes preaches a message, well, you have to stay if you're committed and mm -hmm. you have to, but not in the space of being unsafe. Um, so that's why I just want to bring that yeah. out. Yeah, and I'm glad you, you did because you will, you'll never hear that in this class. Okay, you you 
at the end of the day, and I love what you shared, Gina, but at the end of the day, we're all responsible to God. Okay. You, every relationship is different, as Gene said, and there's some relationships where there has to be boundaries. There has to be, there has to be boundaries. Um, and so that's really between you and the Lord. But for us personally, if you're in a relationship where it's physical or something like that, we're telling you to not stay in that, not to stay in that physical place. We're not saying that you can't leave there and work on the marriage, okay? Because that's what God wants you to do. But God's not asking you to be a martyr in that marriage. So and I challenge anybody that's in this room or on this podcast to show me in the Bible where God is saying that you got to be a martyr. He's not. Okay. We've had way too many of that stuff going on. And we've got too much of that stuff that happens, especially against women, because we've had junk preached from the pulpit that she had to stay and take it. And some ended up dead. Okay. So we're not saying, we're not saying, you know, get a divorce tomorrow. But I like what Pastor says. If one will not, two cannot. Okay. Yeah, I didn't think I was going to get through all this. All right. So um, let's finish up with commitment here. And um, my last scripture for you is out of uh, 1 Corinthians 6. And you know what? I was going to read just um, 19 and 20, but I'm actually going to go up to 18. And I'm going to finish up with this because one of the things that I see is one of the biggest problems right now facing the church inside and outside of the church is sexual immorality. Sexual immorality, I think, is at this day and age one of Satan's most powerful tools against the body of Christ. And we don't recognize it. So we don't come against it. And because we are afraid to talk about sex in church and because we are afraid to deal with hard issues in the church, this goes back to what I was talking about in terms of, you know, we don't want to say too much things that may offend some people. Okay. Sexual immorality. And I can go, I can teach a whole series on that because I run a group called men of Ephesians five, three. And we deal with stuff like that. It is one of the biggest things that is going on underground in the church, but it's also going on outside in the world. And it's one of the things that I guarantee you when a new Christian comes to Christ and you start reading stuff like this, right? Then we start talking about counting the cost, right? Because in the world, anything and everything goes when it, call, when it comes to sex, sex and doing whatever, okay? Well, yeah, I'm not leaving it just on men because 40% of the women that attend any church in one week have watched pornography at least once in the last week. 60% of men have watched pornography in the church at least once in the last week. 50% of pastors. That's a George Barna uh, uh, thing that he did. Because these guys are coming in 
and they are getting the affections of these girls because what they're trying to do is they're trying to get them into trafficking. Okay. That's why I'm passionate about that. That's why I got no tolerance for it in the church or outside of the church. Okay? Because it's like playing with an atom bomb. You keep pressing that atom bomb thinking it's okay. When it goes off, the fallout is going to be devastating. And that's happening in the church right now. It's worth it's worth the wait, but did you hear what she said? Did you hear what she said? In the church. In the church. We ought to be talking about this real loud and we ought to be getting passionate about it. Because all this other peripheral stuff we're talking about, okay, but this is destroying us from the inside out and we're letting the enemy do it because we don't want to open our mouths and talk about it and we don't want to challenge each other. We don't want to challenge men as men to live up to that, what God has called us to live up to. That's got to change. long as I'm here, I'm going to make sure. And I would challenge any other man in here that that would be something that if, if you're looking for a call, there's no greater call than that. No greater call than that. Here's a scripture. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside of the body. But whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Did you hear that? All other sins. That means that sexual immorality is a sin unto itself. Because we like to talk about, oh, well, sin is sin, and it's all sin. No. Because he says all other sins are outside the body. That's why sexual immorality is so powerful we can't play with it. Do you not know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit in, uh, who is in you, in whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. We don't belong to ourselves. And this is where commitment, this is where the rubber hits the road. Right here. Because it's not about us, not about what we want. We are not our own. We were bought with a price. It cost God and Christ a high value. A high cost for us. A high cost for us. The very least that we could give him is our lives. The very least. I'm going to finish off with this. Sorry. I got to get these out. Okay. Five areas we must stay committed in. And then I'm going to close up in prayer. One. Committed. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, staying true in a world of changing values. Number two, the scriptures learn to live out who we are created to be. Three, relationships model to others what true commitment looks like. Four, the calling, finding your gift and using it to expand the kingdom of God. Five, the race, stay committed to the end. Stay committed to the end. Stay committed to the end. Father, we just thank you for this word today. And we thank you for what you have done for us. 
what a great price. What a great price that you've paid. Father, and I thank you. And Lord, no matter where we are in our walk, Father, because we're all in different places, Father, help us to stay committed. Help us to come alongside brothers and sisters, Lord, and encourage them to stay committed. Father, help us to be able to model what commitment looks like. Father, help us to walk alongside and, Father, speak the truth in love. Help us to be people that are loving and kind and generous and merciful. But help us to speak the truth. Help us to look different than the world, Lord. Because the world is not looking for another picture of themselves. They're looking for something different. Father, may we be different. May they look at us and say, wow, how they love, how they walk in mercy, how they walk in truth, how they walk in love. Help us, Lord, to be the people that you've called us to be. And I pray a special prayer right now, Lord, for this church and for us. Father, may we be the people. May we be on fire for you. May we be the people that you have called us to be. May we live our lives every day with purpose and intentionality. Father, being who you call us to be in the sphere of influences that you put us into. And we will be so careful to give you all the love, the grace, the, the mercy, the thankfulness that you are due. Because to you and through you and for you are all things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, you guys. We will see you next week.